0: This week, on Myths and Legends, we're diving back into the legend of the Monkey King. We'll meet medieval Clippy, and see that if a rest stop involves some compulsory marriage, you might want to keep on going down the road. On the Creature of the Week, if your blood, spit, and body odor are all poison, congrats, you are an evil mythological creature. This is Myths and Legends, episode 229 forbidden fruit. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Previously on the story of the journey to the West, Xuanzang embarked on, well, the journey to the West. He was a monk, and he was seeking the scriptures in the Thunderclap Temple, after being recruited by the Bodhisattva Guanyin, It was a dangerous journey that started with him being kidnapped by demons, so he got some help. The first companion was the Monkey King, Sun Wukong, a shape-shifting, super-powered monkey, who, to lower the amount of time he would have to serve in prison, agreed to take his supernatural rod and protect Xuanzang. Next, they met their horse, who's actually a dragon, but never leaves his horse form, so don't worry about him. Then, they met Pigsy, a giant pig man and a completely raging id who left his captive wife to earn his way back into heaven. The final member of the party was Sandy, a sand monster who lived at the bottom of the river and who also offended the immortals, leading to his banishment. Basically, everyone but Xuanzang is on a redemption arc. We catch up to them on the road, looking for a much-needed pit stop. It had been two months since they had crossed the impossibly wide river and Sandy shaved his head, taking the vows of a Buddhist monk and completing their team. And they had been working at it. You see, monkey, as we know, can gain sustenance from the air. That's how you survive for 500 years after a god throws a mountain on you. Xuanzang was a monk and of a singular mind. Also, he got to ride the horse, so he was doing fine. The other three, though, they were ready for a break. It had been constant mountains, walking, and lumpy campsites. They wanted a bed to sleep in, even just for a night. Pigsy was the most vocal. He was used to the pleasures of life, and this trip was not that. Sandy, who had just spent the last few hundred years chilling at the bottom of a river, was pretty out of shape too, though he was sand, so it was pretty easy to get back into shape. Up ahead, Xuanzang on the dragon horse stood on the edge of a cliff, inspecting the valley below in which a vast forest spanned the gap. A vast forest and a mansion that poked out above the trees. As Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, walked up alongside the horse and his master, he cautioned against this place. They hadn't seen a soul in two months, and he had been safe. This journey was a difficult one, for these other guys, but they should keep moving. Just then, a cry broke out from behind them. It was Pigsy, on the ground, groveling. They had been going so hard. What was one night? Seriously, Xuanzang looked to his exhausted horse and even more exhausted companion, Pigsy. The giant talking pig was right, he said to the giant talking monkey. Wu Kong gritted his teeth. He had a bad feeling about this. They weren't the Tang Empire anymore. This far out in the wild, who knew what dangers lurked? and they would have to be on their guard, because danger did lurk in the house. The danger of marriage. The 40-something widow walked from the house. She was obviously wealthy, wearing a mandarin green silk gown, an embroidered shirt, and gold hairpins. Xuanzang politely introduced himself and the three non-horse-dragon companions, and asked if they could trouble the woman and her family for a place to stay tonight. The woman introduced herself, Her late husband's family name was Mo, meaning non-existent. The woman looked them over. They wanted to stay the night, huh? That all depended. Were the monk, the monkey man, the pig man, and the sand man... single? Because it had been a year since her husband died, and not too many people came around these parts. So she and her three beautiful daughters, they were all very single and looking. Excuse me, monk. Xuanzang was sitting there, his eyes bulging out and rolling, his face frozen and contorted. The widow turned to Sun Wukong. Uh, what's going on? The monkey shook his head. He had no idea. And the widow turned back to Xuanzang, waving her hands in front of his face. Xuanzang calmed down and just stared forward. She had his attention, but he pointed to his ear and shrugged shaking his head. He opened his mouth and shook his head again, mouthing a soundless, sorry. The widow turned to Sun Wukong. Seriously, he was just talking. He was a really nice, polite guy, and now he's pretending like he can't hear or speak? Sun Wukong simply sighed. It was a long trip they were on. He learned months ago to just go with it, or this trip was going to take forever. Sun Wukong explained their trip to the Thunderclap Temple and how all of these guys had left home, or, you know, prison, to be part of it. It was a whole redemption arc thing that he was kind of tired of going into. Basically, this was a huge deal, could they stay there for the night? The sooner these guys got a meal and a bed, the sooner they could be back on the road, and the sooner Monkey would be free from all this. He had been alive for like a thousand years, half of that time being chained up under a mountain, the past few months with these guys, the longest ever. But the widow wouldn't let up on the hard sell. Were they sure they wanted to keep killing themselves on the road? Or they could stay here? Beyond this valley, the widow owned fields and fields of crops. Whoever wanted to be the man of the house got to be the master of the house and owned all that too. This manor, the money, the daughter of his choice. Whoever said yes first got it all. The widow whistled, and three girls came out, ages 16, 18, and 20, bearing food for the weary travelers. The widow smiled, and said all it took was marriage, and they could stay. All right, who wanted to pick first? Monkey, arms crossed and head shaking, said that he was flattered that they really wanted to marry him because, I guess he existed and was male, but he had his eyes on the prize here. Sorry. As for the other two guys, Sandy's face had sunken in and come out on the other side of his head so he wouldn't be tempted. And Pigsy was not holding it together. He was on his knees, eyes wide, his hands grasping at the air. He was playing it real cool. Xuanzang was still struck with his self-imposed deafness. The widow sneered. Well, no marriage, no food. She did that swirling thing with her finger that means move out. And the three beautiful girls turned and entered the house with the widow close behind, slamming the door behind them. Oof, that was a close one, Xuanzong said, when they were gone. Yeah, that was a very good ruse, master, Monkey said. Behind them, they heard Pigsy rising to his hooves, in the same way that I do now that I've hit my thirties, slowly, with a lot of grunting. Well, he needed to stretch his legs. Oh, and that horse, Wulong? he was getting antsy. Pigsy better take him to graze. He'll be back. Don't wait up, guys. Pigsy grabbed Wulong's reins and took the horse around the manor. Toward the back door, Xuanzang the monk turned to Sun Wukong. The monkey king better follow Pigsy. Yeah, you think? Monkey said, turned into a red dragonfly and went after his traveling companion. Knock, knock. Pigsy knocked on the back door of the house. The widow opened up with a smile. Hey, never got your name, but do you mind if I call you Mom? Pigsy said with a grin. The widow smiled back. She didn't mind at all. It turned out that the widow's late husband's family had been super rich, but they died tragically when the couple was young. Her husband died a year ago, So they just had all this time, money, and land, and no one to share it with. Over a thousand acres of farmland and a thousand head of cattle, Pigsy said not anymore. Though he was worried that they would find the fact that he was, you know, a giant anthropomorphic pig to be a problem. The girls emerged from the back room and smiled at Pigsy. The widow grinned as well. After their father died, they barely even remember what a man looks like. Pigsy's looks wouldn't be a problem. Though, if he was serious, he should discuss it with his master in return. Pigsy said, yeah, absolutely. It will be fine. This was all fine. If there was one thing he knew about a redemption arc, it was that you could pause it indefinitely to go back to doing the thing that you were doing before it without consequence. He would just go have a calm, honest conversation with his master. He'd be right back, he said, booping all three daughters on the nose as he left. Wow, that horse sure was hungry for some grass, Pigsy said, upon his return to the guys camping out in front of the manor. They hadn't been told they could, but they also hadn't been told they couldn't, so here they were. We're in the forest. There's no grass here, Sandy noted, before picking up a stick to poke at the fire. Pigsy laughed. Yeah, that's why it took him so long to find the grass. Duh. Just then, Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, buzzed in, in the form of a red dragonfly, and took his monkey form. Where were you? Pigsy demanded. Where were you? Monkey asked, before taking a seat at the fire. At that moment, they heard a noise at the house. The lady of the house, and her three daughters emerged. Xuanzang took his cue to start fake twitching, and feigning deafness. Sandy's front sunk in and emerged on the other side, him saying he was going to go take a walk. Only Sun Wukong and Pigsy remained conversant. The widow wanted to know if they decided which of these monks would be marrying one of her daughters. It'll be Pigsy, Sun Wukong said. Pigsy was indignant. What did Sun Wukong mean by that? The monkey king said that Pigsy already made the deal at the back door. He was already calling the widow mom. He obviously wanted to stay, and if he got married, then they could all have food and wine. No one was making Pigsy do this, but it worked out for everyone. Pigsy paused, well, I mean, twist his arm, he really was doing all of them a favor. The widow nodded, excellent, it was decided. She pointed to Pigsy, come inside, dear. Pigsy looked to Sun Wukong, oh, mother-in-laws, am I right? Monkey rolled his eyes, we're not doing that, just go get ready for your wedding. Pigsy perked up, coming, mom! Pigsy followed his soon-to-be mother-in-law through the labyrinthine mansion until arriving at a table set with food where gold and silver candlesticks glowed to illuminate the room. Pigsy paused. Ah, so one question. Who would he be marrying? The mother stroked her chin. That was a tricky question. She was going to give Pigsy to the eldest daughter, but worried that that would offend the second. She thought about the second, but then that would offend the youngest and the youngest couldn't marry Pigsy while the oldest remained single, which led them right back to where they were. Pigsy shrugged. Well, I mean, there's an easy solution here. He would marry all of them. There would be family harmony. Who doesn't have, like, three or four concubines these days? I mean, I'm already technically married, Pigsy said. What? The widow asked. Nothing. And let me just tell you that they would all be very satisfied with the marriage. Notice the eyebrow waggle followed by a wink. Pigsy said to the clearly uncomfortable mother, who just stood there grimacing, Pigsy wasn't sure she was following. Uh, No, I got it, the mother said, pulling out a blindfold. She had another idea. She called the girls out of the back room and told Pigsy to put on the blindfold. He would let Chance choose. Pigsy only had to put on the blindfold and walk toward the girls and the first one he grabbed would be his wife. Sounds romantic, I love it, Pigsy said, winking at the girls and putting on the blindfold. Suitably blinded, Pigsy felt the air in front of him. We good? Just go? The widow told him, yeah, go ahead. See who he grabbed. So, there are a few reasons not to choose your spouse, the same way you would play pin the tail on the donkey. Aside from the obvious, it seemed that all the girls were very gracious to one another, stepping aside to let the others have a chance at being the lucky teenager who would marry the pig man. Another reason you don't do this with a pig monster is because a pig monster is a pig monster. That beautiful feast laid out for the wedding, ground. Pigsy was enthusiastic. So instead of stepping forward, feeling out the room, and finding a girl to marry, he lowered his head, stretched out his arms, and charged. I guess really wanting to honeymoon in the emergency room. The girls evaded the pig, though. And after Pigsy trampled the table, he hit a brick wall at the edge of the room. Bleeding and concussed, Pigsy took off the blindfold. He can't catch a single one of them. What should he do? Then he lighted on an idea. He turned to the widow. Hey, Mom! How about you marry me? You were literally just calling me Mom. The original doesn't point out, but should. Instead, it says she's too old for him. She snapped her fingers. She had another idea. She told Pigsy to take a seat, and the creature stumbled to the overturned table and grabbed a chair. The mother said her three daughters had all been working on undershirts for their future husband. None of them had expected to marry a pig monster. Few do. So how about whoever's undershirt fits best gets Pigsy as her husband? Pigsy said wearing a shirt? He could do that. Didn't like to, but it was better than running headlong into a wall. Yeah, no one said you had to do that either, the mother said, as she replaced the shirt on Pigsy. It was like Pigsy was poured into it. He shimmied a bit. "Eh, Yeah, it's a little tight. Better tie the next one. But the mother and daughters weren't moving to help him out with the shirt. He looked down, and the tight undershirt was ropes. His arms were restrained and they were tightening around his flesh. Outside, the afternoon was suddenly morning, and Sun Wukong blinked awake by the smoldering fire, seeing Xuanzong and Sandy sleeping nearby. Then, his eyes snapped open. Time jump! There was a time jump. Sandy, get up! Monkey flipped onto one side of Xuanzong, while Sandy dropped into a pile and reformed on the other side of their master. They took defensive positions while Xuanzang yawned. Yes, it was a time jump. It was called sleeping. You don't experience it, but time moves on anyway. Do you remember falling asleep? Sun Wukong asked. Do you remember anything since yesterday afternoon? Xuanzang sat up. Wait. No, he didn't. Oh my gosh, it was a time jump. Monkey's rod extended. Yeah. There was some pretty powerful magic here, if it could catch them unaware. Also, the mansion? It's gone, Xuanzong noted. It was. Where the massive mansion had stood, there were now only towering trees. Then, they heard the screaming. Monkey looked to Sandy and Xuanzong, and, after a little time remembering their little death circle rehearsals to keep Xuanzang safe, they arrived at Pigsy, tied to a tree. Hey guys. Pigsy said. His pig cheeks streaked with tears. Turns out those women were evil. They were bodhisattvas, Sandy interrupted, plucking a note from the tree. Messengers from the heavens, sent by the bodhisattva guanyin to test the scripture pilgrim and his monks. Sun Wukong moved to leave, but Xuanzang stopped him. What was he doing? Sun Wukong said he was leaving Pigsy where he deserved to be left. He was going to leave us to marry a stranger and live here in wealth and comfort, while we trudged tens of thousands of miles across the world to complete our quest. He made a mistake, Xuanzang said, and he learned from it. How can you ever expect someone to grow if you cut them off before they learn from the errors they've made? What if the heavens had done that with you? Do you think beans can change? That they can grow? Lunki nodded. He hoped so. He prayed so. Then let him grow. Xuanzang replied. Besides, he won't make that mistake again. I think if we cut him down, we'll have an enthusiastic new traveler. I think he's been punished enough. He doesn't look like he got a time jump, Xuanzang said. Pigsy confirmed his enthusiasm, saying he would gladly carry their bags now. Please, just don't leave him here. Monkey rolled his eyes, and with one swipe of his sword, Pigsy hit the ground and took his first deep breath in 20 hours. Pigsy happily scooped up the bags and packed away the camp. The group got back to the road and from then on out did not hear much complaining from Pigsy. Pigsy also asked if Xuanzang could teach him that whole pretending to be a person with hearing loss and the whole twitching thing. That was weird and apparently effective. Xuanzang said he was happy to. After the break, Xuanzong will announce that that's it. It's over. Their journey to the West is complete. But that will be read right after this. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Well, friends, we're here. The mountain of the Thunderclap Temple, Xuanzang announced. Our journey to the West is complete. Wow, we're done? Sandy asked. Huh, I joined at just the right time. Monkey was shaking his head. His master couldn't just say things like that. We're not, we're nowhere close to done, guys. Xuanzang pointed to the beautiful mountain ahead of them, replete with a shining, stunning mountain temple. There were lions, dragons, phoenixes, just like prancing around, dancing places. If this wasn't the Thunderclap Temple then where were they? Long Life Mountain, Monkey said. By the way, he was kind of like Shuanzong's guide here. They were nowhere close to the Thunderclap Temple. In total, from the Tang Empire, they were on a 180,000 mile journey. They had gone less than a tenth of that. Well, this seems as good a place as any to stop for a bit, Shuanzong said. And though Monkey was annoyed by the time it would take to climb an unnecessary mountain instead of just taking the path around it, he, too, wanted to see what beauties were in store in this wonderful, magical place. You want me to eat a baby? Xuanzong said to the two Taoist monks inside the temple. He wasn't wrong. It was a beautiful, mystical place, but they were also presenting him with a squirming, three-day-old baby to just, like, take a bite out of. It was a rare instance where he was alone with the two monks of the temple, named Clear Breeze and Bright Moon. You see, they had been waiting for Xuanzang, the scripture pilgrim, to aid him on his journey. But they had also been warned about his companions, that they could get a bit rowdy, like burning down monasteries rowdy, and chasing women through mansions blindfolded rowdy, and peeing on the hands of the Buddha rowdy. At the mention of the last one, Monkey left incensed, Shuanzong ordered Pigsy and Sandy to help get the horse settled and to make sure Monkey didn't do too much damage. I mean, no damage would be preferable, but he would take what he could get. And so, once his protectors were gone, the monks at the temple held out a squirming, three-day-old baby for the monk to eat. Xuanzong looked down at the baby and up at the monks, who had grins on their faces, holding the child out for the scripture pilgrim. What was this? They held it out. It was his dinner. The special fruit that they had here. This is a baby. A human baby, Xuanzang said. Studying the, well, to anyone it would appear to be a three-day-old living baby. The monks laughed. This guy. No, it was a special fruit. You just, like, take a big bite. You'll see. It's delicious. It's a baby, and I'm not going to eat it. I would thank you for it, but seriously, where are you getting these? The monks shook their heads, would he relax? There's a tree out back, just eat it. If it spends too long off the tree, it gets cold and hard and stops moving. That's, that's dying, it dies, because it's a human being, Xuanzang said, and rose. His companions were cooking in the kitchen, and he would eat when he woke up. He lost his appetite anyway. Once again, he would thank them, but this was seriously messed up, he was going to bed. The two monks shrugged, and taking the wiggling form, they walked back to their own chamber, where they, yeah, ate the dinner that they had offered to Xuanzang, and talked amongst each other, dropping the exposition that they would have told to Xuanzang, had he stuck around. They talked about how it was too bad Xuanzang didn't want any of this fruit. It was 10,000 years in the making. Basically, it grew from a tree that had stuck around, from before the heavens and the earth separated, and it took 3,000 years for the tree to bloom, 3,000 years for it to bear fruit, and 3,000 for the fruit to ripen. The fruit was actually fruit and not baby, though pretty much anyone could be forgiven for confusing the two, because the fruit was in the form of a moving infant with eyes, ears, limbs, and senses. And if you're wondering, kind of, what's the difference between this and a baby, if it was, like, aware of the world around it and reacts to stimuli, well, it's best not to think about it. Anyway, if you could stomach that fruit, there were only 30 of them in existence, it would increase your expected lifespan from not a lot to 47,000 years. If you couldn't stomach the fruit and only smelled it, you could still live a respectable 360 years. Hey, hey, your rice is burning. Pigsy heard from beside him. He turned and shushed Sun Wukong. "'Don't shush me. I outrank you. I shush you,' monkey said. And Pigsy put a hoof over the monkey's mouth and pointed to the wall. Through the very thin walls, the pair heard that, to harvest the fruit, their greatest treasure, you had to hit the tree with this special golden mallet. "'This one? Right here?' the other voice said. "'The one that we keep in this room? Our chambers?' "'The very same. Man, that fruit was good.' Want to leave all of our stuff here and go on a walk? The other replied. And how? The monkey and the pig heard the door open and close. And Pigsy removed the hoof from monkey's mouth. Monkey had to steal that mallet. They had to try that fruit. Pigsy repeated the talk. He just overheard to Sun Wukong. And even though the monkey king was maybe immortal, once in the history of the world fruit was once in the history of the world fruit. Why shouldn't he get to try it? Besides, he hadn't had a good meal in like thousand years. They were doing this. Monkey turned invisible. Pigsy froze. Monkey, uh... Monkey could do that? Yes, he heard. Pigsy grimaced. Oh, well, uh, so when I'm alone, sometimes I... I know. We don't need to talk about it, he heard. And then there was silence. Pigsy sighed and moved his hoof up to pick his nose. Gonna clean house before Monkey got back. Pigsy, I'm still here, he heard. His hoof snapped to his side. Ugh, you're cooking. Come on. It was less than a minute before Sun Wukong was back with the golden hammer. It was long with a smallish head. He reappeared. All right. Where was this tree? the three companions misadventures with the fruit that looks way too much like babies, but that will be right after this. The pair looked up at the tree, grimacing. Monkey wrinkled his brow. Gonna be honest here, he wasn't in love with this imagery. Before him, surrounded by orchards, pines, and a carved vermilion fence, was a big tree beside a flowing spring. Hanging from the tree were babies. I mean, they weren't actually babies, but the imagery was a lot. So, okay, I just hit it with a golden hammer and that's how we harvest it? Monkey asked. Pigsy shrugged. Seemed like it. Monkey nodded, leapt up, and swung out at the fruit with the hammer. It separated, dropped to the ground, and crawled into the ground, was basically absorbed by the ground. Sun Wukong swatted at the ground with his staff that could dent iron, but it didn't move at all. He clawed at it, but it wouldn't budge. This was new. Like a supernatural clippy, the guardian spirit of the tree popped into existence. Hi, it looks like you're trying to harvest the ginseng fruit. Can I help? Monkey said, yeah. The baby crawled under the ground. The baby he wanted to eat. The fruit was absorbed by the elements, the spirit corrected. Monkey shrugged, potato, potato. The spirit continued, saying the fruit, whenever it touched the elements, disappeared. If it touched a creature's hands, it would disappear, and only gold and silk could touch it. The golden hammer, and the silken cushion of the Taoist lads, as the story begins to call them. Monkey looked at his silk shirt. Oh, okay, he leapt up, hid a fruit, and caught it in his shirt. It stayed wiggling like a three-day-old baby. Wow, yeah. Thanks, spirit. After they harvested the fruit, the three stole off to the kitchen to eat it. Monkey and Sandy nibbled theirs, making it last, which is really kind of grosser and messed up because it's moving and in the form of a human baby. Pigsy, being a pig, gulped his down pretty instantly. I get Pigsy's feeling. You ate it too fast. Everyone else is sitting around enjoying theirs. You get a little envious of their self-control as they nibble that baby apart. Pigsy looked longingly, asking for a bite. Monkey wrinkled his brow. Seriously, he had the exact same amount as both of them. No, he couldn't have a bite. Also, they should get back to work. Master was still waiting on that rice. Back in the kitchen, Pigsy was annoyed and muttering about how he barely got to enjoy his stolen ginseng fruit that they stole. Okay, so the thing with the walls, the thin walls, they work both ways. Remember that the kitchen was on the other side of the wall of the bedroom of the Taoist lads. Well, they just sat there listening to Pigsy talk about the stolen fruit. That combined with the fact that Monkey hadn't bothered to put the mallet back where it was, instead he just tossed it in and left the door open, led the lads to believe that they had been robbed. This was confirmed when they went to the tree and counted the fruits. Four were missing. They immediately spoke to Pigsy's manager, Xuanzang, who called the three disciples in. Pigsy denied it. Sandy stayed silent. And Monkey said, yeah, they took them. What were the lads going to do? The lads were livid. They started screaming at monkey. Who did he think he was? Did he think he was worthy of one of those fruits? Sun Wukong, the monkey king, the self-proclaimed great sage equal to heaven, just stood there, nodding, contrite, murmuring earnestly that he was so sorry. They were right. He was the worst. He didn't deserve the fruit. Did they want him as a literal doormat too? Because he would do that for them. Or... That's what everyone saw. As soon as the lads started chewing him out, Monkey took a pinch of fur from his side. If you had been looking for it, you probably would have missed it, because in one motion, Monkey disappeared, and one of his clones took his place to take the verbal beating from the lads. Monkey floated invisible through the air. He was so angry at getting dressed down by these nobodies about their stupid creepy fruit. Oh, they were mad about four fruits missing? Sun Wukong couldn't wait to see how they felt about this. He landed next to the tree, extended his staff, and he gripped it like a baseball bat, swinging. It only took one. He hewed clean through the trunk of the tree, and it creaked, toppling over into the garden. Every one of the baby fruits hit the ground and crawled into the dirt, being absorbed by the elements. The tree's leaves fell. Finally, the trunk withered and died. The tree that had been standing since before the earth was the earth was dead, and Monkey had killed it. Monkey looked at it. Well, shoot. He sighed. This was bad. He looked at the dead tree. He thought he changed, that he was growing, but the old monkey was still in there, just underneath the surface, waiting for some perceived slight to lash out at the world he stepped back into his form, just as the lads stopped chastising Sandy. When they were left alone for a bit, Monkey said, resigned, that they should probably leave. Immediately. Just then, a scream went up from the garden. The lads saw how contrite fake Monkey was, and wanted to confirm their count of the fruits. Monkey smiled awkwardly at the sounds of the screams. He might have something to do with that. The lads rushed back to the house that Xuanzong and the three disciples were in and slammed the door shut, locking them in. They said they were going to go talk to their boss's boss, an immortal. This was unconscionable. They would stay here until they faced justice for their crimes. Monkey waited for the sounds of their footsteps to proceed as I guess they made a very, very long distance call to where their boss was lecturing in heaven. He pulled the staff from behind his ear Oh no, a single locked door? Whatever will he do? Remember that monkey can change the length, diameter, density, and weight of his staff. So he just made a battering ram bigger than the door and shot it off. The door and most of the wall surrounding it flew into the sunset. They rode through the night and truly thought they got away. They thought that until the sunrise behind them was immediately blocked by the massive form of the immortal that looked after the tree on Long Life Mountain. They will capture us. They will torture us. They will kill us. And we'll be set back by a whole reincarnation, at least, from getting the scriptures from the Thunderclap Temple, Monkey said to Xuanzang. Did he have his master's consent to take his three companions, fly up, and fight the immortal? Xuanzong was so awestruck and terrified that he didn't answer. He had never been on the bad side of the Immortals. He was a monk. This didn't happen. Monkey nodded. He would take that as a yes. He looked to his companions. Sandy gripped his staff. Pigsy held his rake. Monkey's rod grew. They flew toward the Immortal's face. The Immortal himself the size of a mountain. The three of them were some of the most powerful beings alive. They had fought bandits, dragons, and demons. This Immortal would be their greatest challenge yet. But they could take him on. Together. They readied their weapons. And were immediately captured by the immortal sleeves. They hit the fabric hard. Pigsy was terrified. Sandy squinted, aiming a staff for the cloth, but finding it to be as strong as steel. Yeah, the immortal just swung his arm and captured them in his sleeve and held them there. Monkey prayed that Xuanzang, their charge, had gotten far from here on the dragon horse. Of course, when Xuanzang and the dragon horse thudded down seconds later, he supposed that he should be happy that they were all together. Shuanzong <music> was weeping. Pigsy's mouth was watering. Sun Wukong... sighed. So, this was how their quest would end. The giant immortal, the one who looked after Long Life Mountain, had done a bit of rearranging at his temple. And the various lesser immortals were piling wood beneath a giant frying pan, laden with oil. They were going to dump Sun Wukong, Pigsy, and Sandy into the pan to fry them to death. For Swanzong, they would be merciful and just bury him alive. Sun Wukong rolled his eyes. This was all so boring. Heaven had already tried to boil him and he had already survived that. Some third-rate immortal was going to do this to him, only to get more enraged when it didn't work and then try something else that wouldn't work and over and over. Monkey looked to his left, to the giant lion statue. He bit down on his own lip, drawing blood. He spat the blood and in an instant, he appeared to be in the place of the lion statue, but he was actually floating, invisible above the five captives awaiting their execution. When the little immortals arrived at the captives, they looked to the spot where Monkey used to be, and then to the spot where the lying used to be. Huh, he must have moved. Weird. All right, let's go. They tried to lift him, but he wouldn't budge. It was like a boulder. In all, it took 20 people to move Monkey, and throw him into the pan. Okay, so don't fry things or people alive. Just saying good rule to live by, especially true when it comes to frying up some supernatural monkeys. Basically, the little Taoist lads, as they're all called now, tossed what they believed to be monkey into the boiling oil. It did not go well. The little immortals were all splashed in the face with burning hot oil, which immediately caused blisters to rise. Further, the pan broke, and the burning hot oil flooded all over the ground. If you've ever watched one of those mishap videos where someone tries to deep fry a frozen turkey too close to their house, it does not go well. Fires caught all around and Monkey laughed. Still, the giant immortal was unfazed. He ordered the littler ones to replace the pot, rebuild the fire, and he looked to the air and smiled to the general area where Monkey was floating. Now, the monk would burn first. Monkey sighed. What was he doing? Destroying trees as old as the earth itself. Stealing and letting others take the blame. Burning little immortals who were only doing their job, even though their job included them trying to cook him alive and Monkey finding them having to take their own medicine to be hilarious and appropriate. That was all old Monkey. Monkey wasn't changing. Now what was he going to do? Let them burn his master alive and escape? Being constantly on the run from the heavens again? No, this was his chance to make things right. He reappeared and floated down. He tossed down his staff, making it so heavy that no one could lift it Marvel Thor's hammer style, and said here he was. If they wanted to torture someone, they should torture him, not his master. But he wanted to make this right too. How could they work something out?" So, you realize that constant violence and escalation would only bring more violence and escalation, and by sitting down and talking to your enemy, you could reach an agreement that both of you could stomach? The Bodhisattva, Guan Yin, asked. Remember, she was the one who sent them on this quest. You ask like you already know the answer to that question, Monkey observed. The Bodhisattva smiled. That was the first lesson of the day. Monkey apologized for coming to her again for help. This was kind of becoming a worn out trope in this quest. She looked down at the Monkey King. Did she ever get mad at him for asking her for help? Monkey shook his head. She said she had a solution for reviving the tree. Let's go. Monkey was stunned. Just like that? Just like that, the Bodhisattva said. Wow, I should have asked for help sooner. Could have saved everyone a lot of pain and trouble. Monkey said to himself. And that's your second lesson, Guan Yan said. Let's go. They made it back to the monastery, and the other immortals welcomed Guan Yan. She could see that it was a tense situation, so she went right to planting. With her magic, she brought the tree right side up, put the trunk back together, and the roots snaked into the ground. She sped up time for the tree, and it went through 10,000 years of growth in a matter of minutes. And once again, the baby fruit was dangling uncomfortably from the tree. Guangyan took the fruit, and so did the Immortals. And finally, Xuanzang, who held his nose and accepted the gift of 47,000 years of life. Even if it meant he had to eat a fruit that was really too much like a human baby. I mean, one of the monks at the place mentions that it even tastes like a baby. How does he know that? Regardless, Xuanzang became close friends with the Immortal. And over the course of their six-day party stay, they became blood brothers the whole scripture pilgrim team left the monastery refreshed and rejuvenated. It only took a massive amount of destruction and some light torture to get them there. As the pair approached the mountains of the west, they felt a sense of renewed purpose. Their resolve stronger than ever. Monkey had atoned for his mistakes and proven his loyalty by offering up his life for his masters. Things would be different now. For like, four days. And this time it wouldn't be Monkey's fault as would banish Monkey from the group because Monkey called him stupid and lazy when they were all hangry in the mountains but that will have to be the next time we talk about the Monkey King next week we're back in the stories of the Grimm Brothers Well, we'll learn a way that your child can be the prophetic child of destiny and marry a princess if you'd like to support the show we still have a membership thing on the site for less than the price of a corgi butt throw pillow it's exactly like it sounds You can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of this show that aren't weird, faceless butts that will take over your couch. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more info on the membership. The creature this time is the Wilser Dragon from Swiss folklore. The Wilser Dragon lived on Mount Pilatus in Switzerland. Though lived on is kind of not telling the whole story because it terrorized the mountain and everyone around it for over 20 years. It was a dragonet, which meant that it was only about the size of a human, which, yeah, for dragons is a little unimpressive, but for pretty much any other predator on the planet, pretty intimidating. In addition to its sinewy frame, sharp teeth, and claws, the dragonet was packed with poison, like way too much poison. And before I get emails on the difference between poison and venom, just know that the wizard dragon had both. Also, its spit was poison, and blood, way too much poison. So, what do you do to stop something the size and ferocity of a Bengal tiger, who can kill you with a scratch? Well, you hire a criminal. Winkelreich was a man who had been outcast for manslaughter, because he slaughtered a man. I guess he killed someone in a duel, maybe. Now, Now, that seemed like a good idea, when you had heroes coming to your village every two weeks, offering to kill the dragon for glory or whatever. But when those dried up, because they were all dead, well, suddenly, Winkelreich wasn't looking too bad. They sent an envoy to find him in his cave, telling him that they would commute his sentence if he killed the dragonette. Vinkelreich was as confident as he was skilled and took the job. A suicide squad of one, he found the Wilser dragon and killed it. Pretty much instantly, the thing charged him and he sliced off its head. Done and done. He was not only free to return to his home, but he was a hero too. He raised his sword in victory and then he felt it trickling down his hand. The Wilser Dragon's blood. The Wilser Dragon's poison blood. Winkelreich dropped dead instantly. His sentence was cut short tragically, due to his own death. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.